Hello, Beyonders, and welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. We are happy you're here with us today. We have an awesome show with you today. I've got my co-host Jason here, and I have got three special guests from the Dogs of War Cry podcast. We have Eric, Josh, and Vint here to join us. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thank you very much. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, it always, um, it always makes me happy when we have guests on, and after the intro video, they're like, <laughs> bopping along, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it, your intro was designed for uh, just bopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many people don't know this, but Jason actually composed that intro music yeah. for us. Nice. nice, done. Yeah, that was fun. Well, that was fun. Had lots of input from my kids. Uh, my kids that's too. Too dark, Dad. That's too dark. Make it happier. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> for for our show uh i wrote lyrics and then i gave it to an artist on fiverr who's like a, a, a scream rocker and nobody can understand what what she's singing and and it's it's my favorite part is that yeah. nothing of what i wrote is intelligible nice <laughs> phenomenal sensational <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome. Well, we are excited because today we are going to be talking about how to create narrative scenarios in your games. Um, obviously, the Dogs of Warcry, our boys here, they have created for the last couple of years, uh, two years, I believe, uh, mm -hmm. created the narrative event at Adepticon, which I think is the most widely talked about narrative event that um, is in the Warcry sphere especially in the North America, right? Maybe even the world, guys. I'm pretty sure the world. <laughs> so, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Take that, Warhammer world. You know, got nothing on that. <laughs> I still think they get more numbers, though, maybe. Uh, well, you know, it helps to be like the headquarters of everything, right? So, sure, anyway, sure. Right. Whatever. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're super excited to talk about that today because, you know, the, the idea of creating narrative campaigns, uh, works in so many games. It can work in, you know, Warhammer 40 K it can work in age of Sigmar. It can work for Legion. It can work for, you know, the battles of middle earth. Um, it can work for some of your board games that you're playing. So we hope that, uh, you guys get some, uh, our, our listeners get some good stuff out of, uh, out of this podcast today. But before we get into all of that, it is time for, our geek week so i'm gonna kick it over to josh how was your geek week josh it's been good i've been busy building some terrain for Warcry, but also um got uh, some i've got a lot of models for fallout or warfare uh the miniature game i played a game this last sunday with a friend in, in town and had a lot of fun i've been priming my models getting them ready for some painting so keeping busy with that that's very cool i um almost played a game of fallout when i was at adepticon mm -hmm. but as i was sitting down to literally like rolling the first dice you guys called me up and said there's a spot open in the work right now <laughs> so I, instead, instead of rolling the dice i threw it at the game organizer and i said i'm not playing this game and i got up and i ran away right? <laughs> that's fair that's fair yeah and, and to this day that guy does not know what he said. He no. does not. It's like, what did yeah, I that's do? That's why I played my first game. This is there. So I was like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So I almost played that, Josh, one time. You know. <laughs> it's great. Vint, how was your geek week? 
Uh, my Geek Week was good. I watched uh, Starship Troopers and built uh, the Leviathan box twice. So it was a very uh, it was a very busy build week for me. Yeah, wow. very <laughs> thematic build build night. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, I literally like I, I started building it and then I watched it and then Duncan came out with his video of like Starship Trooper bugs and I was like, well now I'm now I've got to watch this too. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I, I watched a um, little like short video the other day that was talking about how um, uh, they ended up actually um, create like the, the main characters ended up actually steering the comet towards Earth that ended up providing the justification for the bugs. Because like the the main guy was flirting with Denise Richards on the bridge, and it made her like bump the controls that ended up sending the comet down towards Earth, and mm-hmm. so like they're the ones that accidentally started the invasion. Yeah, you know, and, and so like it's like oh great, yeah, that's it's, cool. It's a really funny movie because you know when we were growing up when we watched, we were just like yeah, lots of guns and bugs and gore, and it was just a fun action movie. But if you get on YouTube now, there's so many there's so many like conspiracy theories about like you know it's a it's a tale against feudalism and just like all this weird stuff and how like the actual government created the war to fuel you know like the industrial military industrial complex and like trying to live a peaceful life on their own planet you you know you give people enough time on the internet and they'll ruin anything right (laughs) yep uh what is the um the one another famous one from the like 80s 90s was that in karate kid that Daniel LaRusso was actually the bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> this is a really funny one. He was the aggressor, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, right. Johnny was just minding his own business with his girlfriend, doing when cocaine. When the upstart Italian kid right? came and uh, you know started making trouble. It's it's hard to be a young white guy in California. Uh, so so vin are you actually playing 40k or is this like for like kill team or yeah. something like that or two boxes yeah i'm playing some 40k team. yeah yeah uh no i was building one of my friends has a birthday coming up so um he drives a truck for a living so i thought hey uh he's gonna get back to 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 uh tyranid sides all built up for him ready to ready to play um he's got to do the painting because he's got a specific thing but uh, I'll still have them primed probably tomorrow. Um, and then I have a tournament this Saturday at Warp Storm Games in Milwaukee. Um, with That's going to be a doubles tournament. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to be playing my Marines. And uh, j- just because it's 40K, I do keep a narrative there too. And I, I write in that after every game. Um, something short. And I've been working on it for about six months now. So that's been fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, i got to keep it narrative. Dogs of War Cry. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's been a lot of it. Um, I had, I think, yeah, I had a game this last week, and that was a lot of fun too. Um, it was against Custodes. They they beat me up a little bit, uh, but it's been nice because I'm getting kind of the end of. There's no more Marines to build. Like I have them all. And uh, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of Marines. It's a lot of Marines. It is a lot of Marines. Um, but then now it's back to okay. Let's pull out some chaos legionnaires. Let's pull out some of the the uh, the um, warcry boxes I've been meaning to get to and haven't yet. Uh, and all the while, while my mutilith vortex beats leers at me and is like, "Well, you build me. You should play me." <laughs> so <laughs> he's got good stats on warcry. 
Yeah, he's good in everything week. now. He's good in yeah. everything now. So there you Take go. him everywhere. Yeah, very good. Very <laughs> he fits everywhere. Slaves to Darkness list, perfect. Warcry, great. Want to play him in yeah. 40K? He's super there now, too. AOS everywhere. He's, he's just good. Hmm. He's a good lad. My favorite awesome. little tentacle monster. There you go. There you go. Eric, how was your geek week? My geek week. Let's see. I just finished the Water Temple in Tears of the Kingdom. I got my. Uh, it's my. It's my third uh, temple that I've finished up. I'm. I'm slow <laughs> playing it because I don't want to rush too too fast. I like to, <laughs> you know, get every region. Um, I have been. Um, my son had his uh, birthday, uh, and he got his. It's not his first box of Warhammer, but it's kind of his first unit box, and he got um, Bulgrin Ogren kit um, because. Mm-hmm. I use those in AOS for an ogre uh, warband, and he wanted to expand on that with his own uh, model. So he got one of those kits to kit bash and build as he chose. So it's been fun uh, working with him on that. Uh, he's 11, um, and he got second in one of our local tournaments. So he's a, he's a good Warcry player. Um, wow. And um, what else? I don't know. Is pickleball nerdy? It's kind of on that verge of like... It's like sure. not it's athletic, but a little like everyone makes fun of it. So play some pickleball. They do, but it's kind of becoming mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna we're gonna push it. We're gonna we're gonna see where we can get it. It'll get mainstream, yeah. and Eric will find a new one to play. It'll be like pickleball yeah. blindfolded <laughs> with uh, on a skateboard. Yeah. Roller roller pickleball. <laughs> there you go. Pickleboard. pickleboard yes. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Jason, how, how was your Geek Week, sir? Uh, good Geek Week, man. Uh, my I don't remember if I said this or not last time, but um, for uh, my bir- I had a birthday recently. And uh, nice. when, I was, when I was growing up, yep, yep, one more year alive. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I um, always dumped so much money into like Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, like in the arcade. And when finally, when I was an adult and I had a job, one time I was in my basement, I was like, why, why do I not have an arcade in my basement? Like, I'm an adult now. Like, I might be able to make this work, you know? So, like, Arcade 1-Up does a lot of those, like, cheaper home basements. So, a couple of years ago, I got a Mortal Kombat arcade. Wow. And it's been a great addition. My kids love it. We play it all the time. You know, it's a multi-cade. It's got a ton of games. Well, for my birthday mm-hmm. this year, I got... Let me see if I can share my screen. I got the Street Fighter one to go along with it. Ooh. Nice. Oh, nice. So that's uh, the Shinku Hadouken oh. edition from Arcade One Up, and uh, it's got three Street Fighter games in it, and like a ton of all the Capcom beat 'em ups. Like if you ever played Final Fight mm-hmm. or Captain Commando or any of those, they're all in this cabinet. And my kids and I just mash that uh, you know free play <laughs> button and just you know run, yeah yeah run through the game. Mean it. So it's I mean, and I, my, I got kids that like run the gamut. So like I got an eight year I got eight year all the way up to twenty. And so okay. they just you know we have fun with the cabinet. So that, that was my geek week, man. Just mashing buttons with my kids, having a fun. good time. Nice. Beautiful. Awesome. That's super awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. My geek week, I was out of town, so I'm gonna talk about what happened just before I left. Um, my daughter and I, we have been working through the Diablo 4 campaign. Nice. And uh, we finished the story. And um, finally. And by the way, <laughs> so, okay, I know. Listen, okay. So, Jason, start Mr. two days. I know. Yeah, I know, right? Jason, who's like apparently like burnt Mr. Speedster through the whole thing. Um, 
I want to state for the record that Lilith did everything wrong. Okay, Jason. Uh, Jason's on team Lilith. I'm team did Lilith wrong. all the way, man. Yeah. So I'm not. I listen. She's a pretty face, Jason. Don't let her seduce you. Okay. So, uh, look, I, she told me the way to find true happiness. <laughs> uh, let's just say my daughter and I were happy to put that demon down. Nice. And uh, you know nice. that uh, that that uh, she she died. I will say this though, um, we we had heard from my brother who had played a couple characters, and he said it's best if you just work through the story and not do a lot of the other side quests and stuff like that because you end up capping out at a certain level and you can't gain more experience until you've actually finished the campaign. Like they're really pushing you to finish the campaign. So my daughter and I just were really pushing hard to finish that campaign. And there were some points where the fight leading up to Lilith was actually way harder than Lilith herself. Totally agree. And I was like, dude, we were dying like crazy out there. And then once we got in here, like I didn't even die once. And I was like, that was kind of a letdown. Like, yeah, I was like, okay. Not the hardest fight in that. Story. Well, yeah. well apparently, close, apparently, right? level 100 Lilith is a, is a beast. I oh, haven't well, tried that. Yeah, I'm no, not there that's yet. That's the real Lilith, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so we ha- we haven't quite even made it to the point where we're like uh, using Paragon points. I think we're in, mm-hmm. I'm at like level 47 or something like that right now. Um, gotcha. But uh, you know, we're we've got now we have all of the dungeons that we haven't even touched, ready to go and just get all those nice experience points from those right. even at a higher level. So nice. Um, yeah, so that's going to be good, and we're just going to work our way through that. But um, I started playing the I started playing the barbarian for a little bit, and then with her, I switched to doing a druid, and I did not like the druid at first, but now I really like him. He's got a lot of like area of um, area of attack uh, abilities, right? That are really mm-hmm. nice once you kind of level up. In the beginning, they're really weak, and you're just like, I don't think I'm going to survive with this guy, you know. <laughs> so, nice. but once you're yeah. up and you're like, you know, calling lightning bolts down and and twisters, and you know, and you're you a bear. got wolves like jumping everywhere and werebearing and stuff, <laughs> like it's pretty, it's pretty great, you know. Nice. So. Everyone's pretty weak until they can call down lightning. <laughs> I, I mean, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I have this I have this legendary like set of gauntlets or something like that. I, I don't know what it is, but it just randomly shoots down lightning like every yep. five seconds or something like that. Yeah. And so we're sitting in a cutscene and all of a sudden like these like barrels which go like boom and just like start exploding in the cutscene because my lightning <laughs> is like going off, you know, and I have no control over it. It's just hilarious. Like things are exploding as we're talking to these like priest or something like that you know so right that's right. pretty funny cinematic <laughs> yeah, exactly that's very good so but uh yeah um i will say too that i i did go see the um recent um uh mission impossible movie mm-hmm. oh, which was okay. i thought a lot of fun it wasn't the best one in the series but it was up there um i'm not going to talk about that right now what i want to talk about are the two things that I saw before the movie, which was num- number one, the Napoleon Bonaparte trailer. Hmm. Like, hmm. it's Ridley Scott's doing it, and it's like, <sighs> Scott, what, Joaquin Phoenix is Napoleon. Right. It looks yeah, it looks amazing. good. It looks real good. Hmm. It looks really good. But then, more importantly, the Dune 2 trailer came on Ooh, after that. I can't wait. And, 
oh my gosh. I was like, Sophie, because my daughter came to that as well. I was like, Sophie, we need to go home and watch Dune 1. And she goes, Dad, I haven't even seen Dune 1. I'm like, I failed you as a father. I'm sorry. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) I, I really liked Dune 1. But it didn't quite have like it was beautiful. I don't know if it's, it captured the magic of the the original movies for how just weird and wacky they were. Um, the David but, Lynch version, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Eric, you're trolling us right now. Aren't no, you? dude, dude, <laughs> floating Harkanen or whatever his name is, Harkanen. Harkanen. It's hard to beat that dude. <laughs> and the like, what and, is this? And the, what and is the, happening here? And those travel worms. Gosh, <laughs> where were those? No, they're coming. I think. I think they're coming. Yeah, I think in yeah. the second movie of Dune, we get a lot more action. Let's get gonna, let's get some yeah. more weird. Let's yeah. get weirder. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm cool with not as weird. <laughs> well, Justin, I guess this is where we part ways. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> that's we're talking narrative here, and it's all about getting weird. <laughs> that, that, that's fair. That, that's fair. We need to bring right, back right. the Geiger Dune. <laughs> the guy you're doing that never happened. We need to mesh those. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, it sounds like we all had some uh, very good geek weeks, and uh, hopefully, you, our audience, had some uh, good geek weeks as well. And feel free to let us know how it went, either in the comments of this video or in our Discord, because we always love talking about it. Um, we have a little bit of geek news that we want to share with you. And I'm going to share this. Uh, it's one mainly. Um, I'm going to just share this sweet email I got from Free League Publishing because it is the announcement of a an expansion for the Blade Runner um, and Replicant here. I'm going to zoom in for us there. Um, so we have the Fiery Angels, Angels and Replicant Rebellion for the Blade Runner RPG. So if you back the Kickstarter for Blade Runner... Um, you got the first case file that's in there. This is going to be case file number two and three um, that they're going to have for this. So um, it looks really cool. You can uh, It's not going to go through Kickstarter. It's going to be for pre-order off of their website that you can have. And um, as, of course, like with all uh, Free League products, if you buy the physical copy of the book, um, they will give you the PDF for free. And usually before it comes out in the book. So you can start reading it well before you get your hands on the book. And uh, Jason and I will attest that the Free League products, especially like these Blade Runner and Aliens that they have, um, they are just amazing, amazing products. Like they're something that are worthy to be on your shelves because you'll pull them up and the art inside them are just absolutely gorgeous and amazing. And um, so this is uh, this is some of the artwork that they have there. And um, so, yeah, the price point is $35, essentially, um, but it comes with a lot of great stuff. So you got uh, tons of handouts, in-world artifacts, Esper photos, um, uh, uh, half a dozen full-color double-sided maps, which is great to lay it out in front of the table with you. So if you and your buddies are playing Blade Runner, this is the one for you. So um, lots of really cool stuff there. So I think you guys said that you play some... uh, RPGs every now and then, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. We've done yeah. some Soulbound, done D and D, Call mm-hmm. of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few others. Right. I do a lot of Starfinder. Um, oh, nice. And okay. Lots of D and D five too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, J- Jason and I, every year at Gen Con, we go to play Starfinder, and we always schedule it for, like, the last day of the con, and then we're just like, we're too tired to go. <laughs> right. You know? right. So, like, like, we just need to start scheduling it, like, at the beginning. At the of beginning, the yeah. We yeah, we right. So, yeah. But, you know? so. so then every year there's someone who's running Starfinder and is wondering, what did I say? <laughs> Where did my players go? <laughs> yeah. What did I do? <laughs> Most of them know the last days. Just, Justin leaves a trail of broken uh, GMs and game runners who are like, what did I... Why can't I get Jason to stay at my table? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Justin and Jason. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like, you know, the weirdest thing happened to me at Depticon. Like, this exact thing happened to me. <laughs> There's got to be a support group somewhere, man. There's got to be a support group. I can just see, like, uh, you know, like, somebody all ready to run a demo game and just like, all right, and you're ready? You're like, no, and just throw the dice at them and run. Like, <laughs> uh, see, maybe yeah. maybe you can get a sub from, like, one of the energy drink companies. There you go. You could work it. <laughs> no, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Like, time for gaming? No. Ah! Right. <laughs> Never miss another Starfinder table at Gen Con. <laughs> Yeah, now now that I'm talking about this, I realize that it was the Cincinnati Gaming Group that I totally shunted. So whoever's <laughs> listening from that group, I, I apologize from the bottom of my heart and uh, you know hope that you don't hold it against me the next time I register. Yeah, let, yeah. let us know. We'll send you some free dice. <laughs> to make yeah, up well, for the for... dice that Justin threw at you on his way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We should get a Justin yep. Smith left my table shirt, <laughs> and then you just become a teacher when you're like, "Sorry, dipping." Yeah, you can join the Justin Smith club. Yeah, it has a picture of Justin from from the back running away, yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. The dice. like over his back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. love it. I love We're it. making. <laughs> oh, that's phenomenal! Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Leaving for Warcry. <laughs> there we go. Like, yeah, okay. Cobrand is like, I, uh, uh, I left leaving for a Dogs of War Cry event. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. That'll be our mashup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, funny. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's all the geek news that I had for today. So let's get into our main topic, which is how to create and run narrative events. So um, just to give sort of a little bit of background, why don't you guys explain to us like who the dogs of war cry are, which are, I mean, you guys, but like, you know, like what's your, you know, what's your, what's your purpose? What are you doing? Um, like, how did you guys start? Like, give us a little bit of background of who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I, if I may, gentlemen, uh, so the dogs of war cry is a podcast. It's part of the mortal realms network. Uh, the mortal realms was, uh, created, uh, kind of launched our first podcast, the, which we call now the story phase, uh, uh, but called the Moral Realms podcast back in 2005, I believe. Um, is that? No, 2015, whenever AOS came out. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it was, it was initially kind of in that brouhaha of changing games and the negativity and all that kind of stuff. And we wanted to just bring positivity because we liked the game. Uh, there was part of the community that liked the game. And so we started to just try and exude or project positive narrative gameplay and kind of all the reasons why you want to to play a game and get together with other people. 
And so, um, you know, we, we ran some events and we did some stuff locally, et cetera. And when uh, Warcry came out, um, we knew we wanted to create another podcast focused on, you know, gameplay and, and that sort of thing. And it, it shipped with, with the narrative as a part of it almost. Right. Um, or it was a very small compact game. And pretty soon after that, we got narrative stuff. And so that's always been sort of within the mortal realms. Our shtick is focus on narrative, focus on the stories, uh, because that's a place where regardless of your skill set in the hobby, it's easy. It's, it's an easy place to land. So that's kind of where the dogs of war cry came out of was, uh, out of this this broader AOS network of podcasts that are focused on narrative and and community, et cetera. I'll let uh, Josh or Vint maybe well, I, talk I, about I was, where. I was going to say real quick that in 2015, when or, in, or maybe even I guess it was like 2015 when AOS came out. Uh, you're absolutely right. It was like it was it was a uh, a lot of people hated. Yeah, the Sigmar and. I mean, I think, you know, to give a little bit of credit, I, I think when Age of Sigmar came out, it was a little half-baked. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. didn't have any points associated with models, right? You just right. kind of had like, well, these are sort of units that you play and you kind of just choose it. And um, so I think from a competitive person's standpoint, it was a hot mess, right? Oh, yeah. Um, however, I think from a narrative standpoint, you guys found a really nice niche there because – you know, those those points help with balance, but narrative sometimes you don't necessarily want or need balance, right? Like, and um, I think some like oftentimes you kind of want it because it's nice. You don't want to have a negative play experience, but um, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you want a challenge or sometimes you want to run a scenario that, that may not fit it. And so I, I think you definitely found a nice niche there, uh, bringing the positivity yeah. As you're saying, um, because there wasn't the competitive aspect of it hadn't been really fleshed out until 2017 when the first uh, general handbook came out, right? Yeah. Well, and and even I mean, the lore of the old world was precious to a few people, um, and I yeah. I say a few. I mean, I think it was precious to a lot of people, but it was, you know, of course the game was sort of shrinking or the community was sort of shrinking. So there's certainly a, a number of people that 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 cherished the old lore. And so the new stuff was sort of not given a chance and it was kind of getting drowned out. So our first podcast was all about just getting through the, all the books that they were putting out. And anytime there was new lore, we would talk about it. And so it was a way of making AOS new lore more digestible to more people. Um, And then to your point, yeah. um, My buddy, Davey and I, who started the mortal realms podcast, you know, at the, the very edges of end of, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle, we're starting to kind of come up with games where it would be, all right, I have you have a you have a couple of troops of dwarves in the middle of the table, and you're gonna try and run them off one edge. And I have a necromancer on a horse, and we had some new rules for raising the dead. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can my lone necromancer can raise enough models or raise enough stuff over a certain you know four rounds or whatever it was to keep you from getting off the table because if you leave the table, you'll You'll tell your 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 dwarven hold that necromancers have taken over this town, and we don't want that. So we just were coming up with oddball scenarios to see what we could do, and uh, 
AOS sort of created a ton of freedom for that um, mm -hmm. with the rules, with, with, you know, having something for uh, all this stuff. And so I think for us at that moment in time, it did, it, AOS was an open door to personal narrative as opposed to, you know, the, the, what is the story where demigriffs, you know, or the, the demigriff knights got models and everyone's like, you know, the narrative hook was they've always been in the forest. Just nobody knew they were there. Um, and people gripe about that, but AOS sort of created this space, endless space for us to fill it with whatever we wanted to. And it, it gave players, I think a lot of ownership of, of adding their own narrative into the AOS lore. Hmm. That's my soapbox about it. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this and, and I'll throw this to either Vint or Josh. Why, why play narrative? Like why actually, I mean, you've got the game rules in front of you. You've got usually, you know, missions in front of you with objectives and everything like that. Like you can play a nice uh, game with each other. Like why add in the extra narrative? Go for it, Vent. All right. Uh, so when, when I look at a narrative game and I'm going to sit down with my friends and play a narrative game, uh, for me, it's a player choice. Um, one of my best friends plays a very, very good uh, competitive only uh, when he plays. And we still have a heck of a lot of fun playing together. Um, what it is is that at the end of the game, I'm over there with my notebook being like, oh, did you see that part where the guy did the thing? Um, and that makes the, the play experience very enjoyable to me right um for him he's like cool did you see i scored five points on secondaries um like <laughs> you know and you go back and forth with it but but realistically it's it's what drives me it helps me stay motivated to do the hobby it helps me stay motivated to to want to continue with a warband right you have five bad games with a warband in warcry and you're like ooh that's kind of rough but then you're like oh it's cool look at the story i have now um you know, look at this this narrative of, well, I've been pushed back out of my, my uh, stronghold. I've been pushed out into the wild, and now I've got to kind of, you know, make my stand and regrow. And um, one of the, like, with all narrative gaming, it's just fun because you get attached, right? Um, when your character dies, you're like, ooh, that, that's right in the feels. Like, he's been with me for, like, six months real lifetime and 16 games, and he just, like, he got bit by a Raptorix in the wrong heel, and now he's gone. Like, <laughs> here we go. Now I've got to level up a whole new guy. Um, so it's it's just a lot of fun, and it adds a lot for me personally. But the real reason to play narrative is because you get motivated by those stories. Uh, you're either motivated to write or you're motivated to paint or hobby in a way, especially with Warhammer, that makes sense with the game, right? Like, oh, I play, I play Josh all the time, and he kills a bunch of my Skaven. And then I accidentally left my Skaven box out one day and all my heads are gone. And now Josh has Skaven heads on all of his bases, right? Like this is, it's, it's fun stuff like that, that can add and motivate, you know, each other to the hobby. Uh, real talk. Josh doesn't have any of my Skaven heads on his bases. I know. Just because he'd, yeah. <laughs> he'd feel bad for how many he takes really. Um, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be all Skaven heads and none, none of his models. Yeah. Right. Honestly, just piles of Skaven heads with weapons sticking out. Um, the the other one is like real talk. One of my friends just finished up painting and he posted on Instagram and added me. 
uh, he has my Mortifactors, which is the chapter I play. He has a, a, a whole group of eight bound where every Primaris helmet on it is Mortifactors because he killed an entire unit of Intercessors <laughs> like a jerk. Uh, but the, <laughs> it, like, now I, I told him like right away, I was like, I'm going to have to kill that unit every time we play. That's super dead. I don't care what I have to throw at it. Um, <laughs> and it makes the game fun and it adds, it adds right? Like I, I like Fettuccine Alfredo but I'm going to put spices or something in it to make it a little bit better. And for me, narrative is that spice uh, to my games to make me excited and, you know, look forward to the next game all the time, no matter how the last one went. Yeah. So that's why I think narrative. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's just like a really good, you know, role-playing session too, where, you know, you develop these characters and stories and you you can go back and say, Oh yeah, 15 years ago, we had that campaign. And remember my character, our characters did this kind of thing. You kind of get those same stories in, in a lot of these tabletop games where you're playing against people and, you know, things happen, you keep playing and the, you end up getting these kind of narrative rivalries going and, you know, you get naming the characters and you kind of remember that long term. It's, it's a lot of fun to kind of build those stories together as a community as well. But, uh, but yeah, like kind of developing unique ways to play too in terms of like, okay, this isn't a standard scenario, but this is what happened in our last game. Let's tweak this mission so that this is what's happening now. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think- well, and you can use the game to tell the story too. Sorry, Eric. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But the, uh, right, if your game is matched and balanced every time, and one of the awesome things with Warcry is it's not meant to be balanced. You're never mm-hmm. supposed to be... I have my fours, you have your fours, and whoever has the most fours wins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always meant to be a little different. It's always meant to be maybe somebody has a, like a huge advantage or a huge disadvantage, um, but that's that's battle, right? And that's that's part of the challenge and part of the fun. So when you're yeah. playing narrative, you're also not going to have I start in a line and you start in a line very often. Um, one of the beautiful things about Warcry is you almost never start in a line, even if you're playing match play. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, your opponent is also going to be starting in the weeds, looking for for their best avenue as well. And I just think that's one of the the beautiful things about Dogs of War or Dogs of Warcry War itself. We're pretty okay too. And the Dogs of Warcry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if I can add too, um, I think we've always been, like you said, focused on community and uh, kind of trying to find the what we think is kind of an ideal of of playing games in community. And while I, and I don't mean this is, you know, kind of stems out of my personal preference. I'm not a highly competitive person. Um, but when conversation or when like Warhammer fantasy battle was very competitive, like most of the scene was highly competitive. And so there's sort of a binary you get when you play competitive, you either win or you lose. And that, that if you're, if everybody's trying to win, but only, you know, not everybody can win, then you're sort of, uh, I think, not always finding the fulfillment in the game that that you that aligns with your goal. With narrative, you can create a lot of a lot more win scenarios uh, if you change win from you know beating your opponent at a game, um, and and those win scenarios uh, can be everything from being able to um, you know uh, perform a certain um, uh, subquest in a game or be able to put a certain set of models on the table that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise or play against somebody and have a story come out of it that, uh, you know, uh, is fulfilling in of itself. And so when you create more ways for people to get joy out of the game, um, I, f- I feel like the communities that, that we're in 
um, are more fulfilled and the people that really come back for that. Um, and, and that's what we're, one of our big aims is. And so almost from just a pure community play narrative has been a, a really positive way to, to kind of grow and keep growing. I, I think, um, one of the things that we've learned over the years as we've been jamming many different systems, we've run a lot of role playing is you learn the concept of failing forward in the story, right? So every failure has a consequence, but it still allows the story to roll forward a little bit, maybe just rolls forward in a little bit of a different way. And as, as I've played narratives, I think that's a sense you get, whereas competitive, you know, you're going in there to move up a leaderboard. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, narrative, you're going in there to maybe the pressure is off more on moving up the leaderboard so much as it is just creating those epic moments, those story moments. And even if you even if you lose in points in the narrative battle, there's still progression with your warband with. So you still feel that, like you said, ben, that kind of attachment of they are go they are continuing on in mm -hmm. some way past the, you know, past the beatdown if that's what happens. And so that's something that I've enjoyed as I've played more narrative, uh, that concept of kind of failing forward and still making some form of progression, even yeah. just after every game, just for coming to the table and, and you know, rolling dice that day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also say as a, as event runners, uh, I think with competitive and, and I don't, I don't know this because I don't follow this. So this is a generalization, but I think you can you can fall into a couple of formats that everybody kind of says is the fairest, right? Or, or you know, like you mentioned, like is bracketed a certain way, and that becomes a standard way of playing. And yeah. and when you come to expect that with narrative, um, there are many different narrative uh, or teams that run narrative events at LVO. At um, I think there's at LVO certainly at Nova, at, um, Nova yeah. Open, mm -hmm. a huge group of of narrative gamers over there. Uh, you know, with the, so, but every group can run different games and even amidst our team, we've run lots of different types of games from our weekly leagues to that are kind of loosely tied to the Adepticon event where we ran people through a very tight three games uh, with, you know, branching quests, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, Josh and I ran a game where we had, you know, a whole 3D model of space that people moved to different pillars and, um, you know, based on how they perform, they'd go left or they'd go right or whatever it is, right? There's just so many different ways you can create in that space mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. um, which is really rewarding. So and the other I thing too, Eric, oops, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the big thing is it opens up space for everybody to write too. It's collective mm -hmm. storytelling, like a fiasco or mm -hmm. um, some of the other games you can play that are more collective because, you know, we have the events we talk about but we've also had other people that have just come in and like, here's our one day event of whatever this thing is that I made up. And it gives you that opportunity and a framework to work in that everybody gets to write and everybody gets to partake, win, lose, or draw. And that's really cool. Yeah. I, I was going to say that as the, um, as the organizer in the TO for the Nova open GT, which is very much advertised as competitive war cry. Right. Um, yeah. The idea there is that I put out a mission pack ahead of time that has the parameters of each mission. It has the wind conditions early on. It has like very, uh, you know, tight um, 
parameters and objectives for everything on the tournament because that is the more most balanced and fair way, right? Like we went through and determining like um, uh, mission order and types of missions to like get the types of competitive balance competitiveness that we want out of it. And yeah. I don't think that you necessarily, uh, I'm not saying that the amount of thought um, is different for narrative. Cause I think that you put as much, if not more thought into narrative about stuff like that, but um, it doesn't have to be as um, focused on fair play for all. Right. Um, and one of the, one example that I'd like to give is uh, Jason and I once played a war cry scenario and it wasn't narrative, but I think this is a good example. Um, I had a war band of orcs and he had a war band of ogres and we pulled a mission card that said half of your war band rounding up has fled the table and <laughs> you just need to survive, you know? <laughs> and I said, I'm not, what are you kidding me? I have three models now and he's got, a freaking lead belcher, you know, yeah. like, mm. <laughs> like, what mm -hmm. am I going to do here? And a tyrant <laughs> on the table, you know? And, um, you know, so, but we played it and I ended up losing like at the very end, it was way closer than I thought it was going to be. But that was a scenario where um, if I had been focused very much on the fair competitive play, I would have been very upset that I wasn't given a fair chance at winning this game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead, I was like, all right, well, sounds like half my war band's a freaking coward. And now here's the tough guys. And I'm trying to like, <laughs> you know, tough it out here. And, um, and mm. in that sense, like it gave me a sense of like, well, let's see if I can do it. You know what I right. mean? Let, let me challenge myself to yeah. see if I can even do this. I'm going to, I'm going to play as hard as I can. I'm going to like, try to outwit. I got to try to use cover against those shooters. I've got to do all sorts of kind of crazy, maybe lure some people that way and hide another guy behind here, you know, and just do what I can. And um, I did, like I said, it wasn't a narrative um, scenario that we were playing, right? Cause we weren't playing with named mobs or yeah. anything like that. Like, yeah. but I had to take almost a narrative mentality here, which was mm. like, okay, well, what's the story behind this? And like, how is this going <laughs> to make it fun? Right, you know, right. it's almost a trauma right. response. It's like, <laughs> tell me a story that makes this okay. Yeah, exactly. I, I still think it was, it was more fun than the time we drew. It was my ogres versus your Nurgle flies, and we drew the. All you have to do is get to the other side of the board. Right. And on yeah. turn one, your Nurgle flies just double move to the other side of the board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was like, all right, let's set up again. Yeah. Let's, all right, let's set the table up. Yep. <laughs> Well, and, and that's definitely one aspect. So that's sort of the out-of-the-box narrative <laughs> setting for Warcry, right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of short, compact games. And because you can get enough of them done in the same period of time as you'd get an AOS game, you can get some duds. Or you can yeah. you can random yeah. draw yeah. some really quirky, imbalanced things. And that's sort of... Um, we t I often talk about narrative in stages. Like the, the same way you talk about like, uh, you know, like going green uh you know uh how green are you or your 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 you know carbon footprint right you know it's not, it's not all or nothing it's it's stages of it and so there's certainly that that random draw you know it's almost like the random tables in in a role-playing game right where you're like mm -hmm. okay this happens how do i justify you know shoehorning that into this uh setting or this this mm -hmm. series of events so there's certainly that 
um, out. And, and that was one of the things that really drew us to Warcry. Um, one small model count and, and you can be super creative with that. Uh, but also like just fast gameplay, uh, you know, randomness, uh, you know, a variety of games and, and, and story types to, to choose from, um, which is, yeah, that random draw and non-game sometimes, you know, but the next one's going to be better. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So let's say, let's say that um, I've got, I'm looking right now at my star Wars Legion that need to be painted. I have a whole bunch of Wookiees. I've got nice. some clone troopers that are going to end up being painted in the Kashyyyk style of like camouflage, right? I've got Yoda there with me. So I'm clearly thinking episode three before order 66, right? Like that's kind of like the motif that I'm going for right now. Um, if I want to, I, I like, I want to get them on the table. I've got a theme in mind. Um, how, where do I start about creating some narrative play you know, using this in mind with maybe some of my other friends who have, you know, other uh, Star Wars Legion stuff. Like, where like where do I start in creating narrative? Uh, do you mean for in terms of, like, your particular force or you mean as a group with your friends and everything else? Um, so maybe a little bit of both. Like, maybe okay. you start with your force, right? And then, right. Um, yeah. and then like, I mean, kind that's... of expand it to your friends? Exactly. That's kind of where I usually start. I start thinking, you know, general ideas. So I'll, I'll look through images on the web, you know, to kind of get a storyboard of ideas around, okay, what is my warband theme or what is my, what is my force theme? Where do they come from? What are they doing? And then from that, I can kind of, you know, sometimes I'll build terrain to go with it to kind of, you know, have a diorama or something to set them on, or at least kind of help direct me in terms of what's their feel. And then I think based on that, you can talk to your friends or, you know, we'll talk to the other people or talk to my brother and like, okay, well, what, what are your ideas? Okay, how do they fit together? You know, my stepson plays, and we'll often kind of like, okay, you got Necrons, I've got Admech. We've got a perfect story going here. What kind of world are we on? What are we doing? How do we fight that out? And I think you just do something similar. Like, it sounds like you've got a theme in mind. I'll often watch some movies to kind of get some ideas. You know, you've got Star Wars material to, to pull from. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of say, okay, this is kind of where I'm coming from. What about you guys? And maybe we're on this undiscovered planet in this sector of the universe. And we're kind of going at it here and then we'll kind of design what's going on in the forest here. We, you know, maybe you kind of map based campaign or something and go from that point. Lots of ideas potential. Uh, just as an example, we, we had a campaign of Necromunda, Josh and I, and a couple other people and uh, Josh created a warband of gene stealer cults, but they were like uh, tree fungus infested uh, sculpts. And so that was such a cool idea that it sort of became a theme for all of ours is like what was our experience running into this you know new threat to the hive mm. and and sort of <laughs> then our games bounced off of that mm -hmm. you know burn the trees right right yep, yep. even abducted somebody and converted yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, it can take very little for that spark to happen and like make the you know make the event i was you know i was we were playing a one shot D and D game recently. And I came up with a, I had a character that was um, an astral elf uh, with high charisma bard. And we decided we were a party taking on a job and we realized we decided that somehow I was a former cult leader. Things didn't go right. And everyone's a little less believing in me, uh, but we got to do this job to make some money. 
it was a stupid one-off content or, you know, comment that, you know, somebody made, but then it just shaped the rest of the night for us. Um, uh, and, you know, I made a lot of money being a cult leader. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, mean congratulations. In, in <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it's, you know, it can be a small hook and sometimes less is more. Uh, mm. And we say that in a lot of ways, but sometimes it's like, if you're, if it's too broad and, and to whatever, you know, having something for everybody to focus on or bring it back to uh, can be super helpful to like, I, I don't know, just join everybody together to connect the party. Right. It's the, mm-hmm. we, why did, why are we all at a bar? Right. Um, give, give somebody a little more of a hook as to why we're, why we're playing this game. Um, what was, uh, I mean, this season of war cry, the 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 wreck uh, the eye of Chotek has wrecked in in the Gnarlwood and it it made the forest grow unbelievably into this monstrous place to to be um, and we're all moving towards the eye of Chotek or you know Mordheim you know there's this you know crazy uh, moon and all this weird stone and there's treasure in this city that's been blasted right small hook but from there you can build so many things. How do you guys um, kind of come up with ideas for tying tying the different um, um, arcs or fa- or uh, games in between games? Right? How do you how do you make the the space in between games kind of flow so that you know when we had the narrative event at Adepticon, uh, we had kind of a cho- little choose your own adventure kind mm-hmm. of in between, right? That really didn't matter if you won your game or not you still had an opportunity to play this little choose your own adventure game and then at the end of it you got some sort of an artifact or something that could help you know boost your guy how do you come up with that kind of stuff that ties in between the games so the trick is your first adepticon you got to get ready like three weeks before it starts and then you're just (laughs) under the gun you're like we got it uh no um Realistically, that sounds like real life experience. <laughs> we had a lot of ideas, but yeah, then it was like, yeah. oh, we got it. I, I keep yeah. telling them, uh, you know, like, uh, say you meant to do it, and uh, just <laughs> everyone will believe you. <laughs> um, no, I think a big thing was was at the time, uh, Josh and I were playing a lot. It was, uh, you know, we were kind of fresh out of COVID when we started doing it. Um, up here and uh it was we there was a lot of choose your own adventure stuff in the books um in the tome of champions throughout you use a lot of of uh those kind of quests so it's just like this is new uh i think josh and i can write for this um and so we wrote down some things and we got them ready and um we we both like choose your own adventure books and i guess like when when you're writing for your story right it doesn't matter if you're starting a story for Legion, it doesn't matter if you're starting a story for Warcry, 40K, uh, or D&D. Write what you're passionate about, right? Your friends are your friends. They've probably got some pretty similar interests in you, as you, right? Your passion will incite their passion. And if you share the passions with whatever it is, you're going to get a better story, right? Um, you know, if you're writing a story about a bunch of, if we were doing a and d campaign and it started off, well, we're all at a, a D&D table. All of us are like instantly like, yes, we're here, like right away. You know, you've already got the bag of Cheetos over here. You're there. You're in the setting. Um, and Warcry or whatever your narrative is, is going to give you that. Uh, and thankfully for us, Warcry is just this giant sandbox of whatever you want it to be. 
Um, they gave us some stuff in the Bloodwind spoil, but they never said this is what it had to be. Uh, they literally say it breaks and changes so often that you can't know, right? It's, it is an unknowable flux. Um, all you know is that at the center, there's an Archeon, and that's awesome, right? <laughs> um, you know, the power struggles of, of the Varenspire are awesome, and that's where we started off. And we had the, the Choose Your Own Adventure quest, and it worked out really well. Uh, and then with Eric's glorious return, uh, we were able to kind of kick back up and have like a lot more streamlined and fun with the stories. Um, it was a lot less, all right, I've got to write 12 stories real quick. Um, and it was just really like, it was really smooth and really fluid. Uh, so a lot of it is like, what would be fun for me? What would, what do I think would be fun for me? Cause it's probably going to be fun for you guys too. Right. You know, what would be a thing I would laugh at? What would be some tongue in cheek humor I can add throughout? Um, because it should be fun. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. Yeah, this past year was was kind of fun because uh, well, with the three of us, like uh, as Eric said, he's extremely narrative focused, and Event is you know worked in a, work, a games workshop store. He plays a lot of competitive events as well as narrative events, and I, I've done a little bit of both in the past. And so we all had our different experiences to contribute to it, and we all knew okay, well, we like to have match play set up, and we like to have match play kind of. You know, making sure we rotate the different battle groups. That, so, you know, the, the hammers coming on second turn, one game, the, the shields coming on second turn. You know, so we, we'd like to have it kind of balanced that way. But, you know, from there, then then we can open it up and say, okay, well, we know we want to have an experience where it doesn't matter what kind of game you had, you're still moving forward. Like you said, you know, the story is evolving, whether you won or lost. doesn't matter. Did you hit your special objective or not? You know, it's a bonus narrative point. But otherwise, you're continuing your, to, to succeed in your quest throughout the Narwood, no matter how your games are going. But we had some, you know, some unique twists, like, you know, the trees are alive, and the roots are coming up, and, you know, to like, okay, now, now we feel like we're there. And this year, we were able to add more narrative aspects to it, where Eric was adding more storytelling in terms of, you know, here's the twist that affects this turn based on the choices people made and how the forest is reacting. And, you know, so we, we kind of started balance, but then made sure that, everybody could have an enjoyable story progression, but then added additional narrative layers on top. And then of course we had a, a bonus narrative event that kind of succeeded that later on. So. Yeah. The, you sort of have to um, build it depending on the group that you're hosting, right? When you're running an event, you got to think about the number of people, the, the variety, you know, what their experience is with, with narrative, how, far can you take it like how weird can you get before they're feeling like how bought into that are they um you know like i mentioned before josh and i ran a, a narrative event for 16 people when warcry first came out and uh there was you know uh let's see 30 36 unique tables and 36 unique like um uh game uh conditions or or different um you know, different uh, battle group or battles that you play scenarios. And then, uh, you know, each, each person who came had their own unique progression. So you could be, get very granular for us for a small group that you knew were hardcore narrative players at Adepticon. We've got 40 people coming from all over the U S Canada, wherever else. And you don't know what their, you know, personal experiences and so we kind of treated it as sort of uh the next step above um you know random uh so 
we did create the games to be every every deployment was match play deployment every mm-hmm. game except one i think was a match play game i think goreworm was the only one we took that what well, is it goreworm yeah. match play well it's it's uh, just the deployment but yeah the, the mission itself was not really yeah yeah so it might be the uh-huh. only one that was that was super thrown off or like you know quirky not typical for a a match play um and so we tried to kind of keep the the core of it uh match play which means sort of balanced and symmetrical and everyone's got the same objective not skewed or asymmetrical um but then on top of that so then once you kind of create that framework that you know hey everyone's going to go through these games then it was a matter of trying to figure out um how do we interject uh, some of the elements in narrative that people like. Uh, how do you get a heroic trait? How do you get a special weapon uh, or a legendary weapon? And, you know, the previous year, the legendary weapon came sort of at the end. It was the cool thing at the end of the line, but then people were like, hey, could we use that sooner? So we gave it to them one game sooner so that in the final battle they could wield their flaming sword or, you know, do, do their legendary action type of thing. Um, and sort of get those bones in place. And then uh, we basically had our our script beats. We're like, all right, we've got uh, three entry points, three motivations. We picked an abstract concept because it can be easier to write to those abstract, conce- abstract concepts. And then, you know, we each were, I think we ended up, you know, like basically two storylines uh, for each of those. So six different storylines that you could go through. And so we sort of, it started basic and went formulaic and then it, that gave us freedom to kind of get creative with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not so weird, not so out there that it would throw somebody for a loop that had only played a few games at, uh, before that. So just to give you an example of different approaches to, you know, a narrative game that's specialized or versus a narrative ga- uh, event that is broad and brings a lot of people, a lot of different people come to the table. Yeah, one of the things that I thought was um, really interesting about your Adepticon narrative was that um, I could really see the framework that you're talking about, right? You said, okay, like, we've got our three paths that you can follow as as power, intelligence, and... And wealth. What was the third one? What's that? Wealth. Treasure. Wealth. And yep. Wealth, yeah. Yep. And so you could choose those, and then you could see how, like, it could break down into, you know, the different possibilities for... Um, each ones that you sort of got to choose your own adventure. Right. And so, um, and then I also saw that, you know, how the missions were set up um, were like you said, match play quality missions in terms of like synchronous deployments and um, you know, like uh, um, battle groups coming on at different times and, and certain twists and things like that. But, and so it didn't create too much asynchronicity that, people would be like, Hey, I got on the wrong end of the stick of this. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can totally see where that framework then gave you the latitude to weave your story in and out of it. Right. So having, having kind of the lattice of your structure allowed you to get really free flowy with the story. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I felt when I played it. Um, I don't know if that's how you intended it, but that's definitely how I felt it. Yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. we wanted people to, we wanted the basic, you know, like you said, the framework to be simple enough that people could enjoy the narrative more. They could like get mm-hmm. into why am I doing this? Where am I going? And how did my game impact my next choice? 
So you yeah. don't want them to worried about everything else too much. So yeah, there was a there was a simple um, the twist for uh, the second round as a result of the first round was that the gnarl would. Uh, did damage to everybody if you're within, yeah. you know, so close tree. So like it, it became really brutal. And then, uh, so everyone was sort of, it, it helped everybody feel like, oh no, this is a dangerous place. And then based on how people made their choices, et cetera, the next round, uh, the Gnarlwood gave blessings to people. So it was like sort of gave, and t- you know, a little give and take. And, yeah. and you want to feel a little bit like you're impacting the world. You want to feel like you have some agency, but you want to be able to kind of create some bumpers uh, for it so that it, uh, because yeah, again, not everybody's familiar with or, or has signed up to play hardcore narrative where, right. you know, anything or they're not, not everybody is um, experienced in failing forward. Right. And so we're, you know, you kind of limit how much uh, falling hurts. So one of the um, one of the things that I noticed, and um, I'm, I'm really this is actually one of the main questions I wanted to ask you guys. So I came to the narrative that you guys ran with a pretty underpowered warband. I was bringing a very much narrative warband. It was a straight up Rottmeyer Creed, right? Mm, no nice. allies, mm-hmm. nothing in there, um, and it was very much my hey, these guys are here to just kind of establish themselves. You know, I came with a sort of back backstory with them and and all that. Um, and then I found myself playing against what I would say competitive GT lists that were in there, <laughs> right? Like they were super optimized orc lists. There were super optimized um, uh, Nurgle lists that were there, you know. And um, how do you guys, um, first off, I, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on that, right? Where someone's saying like, hey, I want to be like super narrative with my thing and, and full of flavor. And then someone who's like, I'm bringing like a literal beat stick and, you know, you know, and, and ready, ready to lay the hammer down. And so, so how do you feel about that? And what is the, I guess the yin and yang of competitive versus narrative in, in these sort of events that you guys have to play around with? Yeah. Yeah. I can, um, that's definitely a concern we had, you know, even the first year, the first year we kind of had through no allies, and we had no more than four of the same model type. So you couldn't mm-hmm. take like the same model, you know, with multiple, the same weapon four different times or whatever to try mm-hmm. to, you know, frame that a little bit. Uh, you still had people showing up with, you know, super powerful lists. And, and unfortunately there's, there's not a really good way to control that. And, and then this year we said, okay, well, everybody wanted allies last year. We're gonna allow an ally. We're gonna remove the, the requirement to not have more than four of the same model, but, we, we stressed again, like we did the first year, please send us your list so we could review them and, and at least make a comment if we like, okay, wait, no, this is, you know, some people would still be putting in two allies. No, no, there's just one. No, well, no thralls. No and there are, there are so many options with the compendium that it's hard to know yes. what the, the, you know, competitive lists are at the time by, the, you know, by the time we get there, sure. uh, just as another variable to try and to yeah. account for. Yeah. And, well, and again, I guess, you know, well, go ahead, Finn. Yeah, uh, I, I was no. Go ahead, Josh. No, I was just going to say, it, 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 and again, just due to that variety, it can be very challenging mm-hmm. to put restrictions that apply to all the war bands that make it balanced. Yeah, there's a lot of synergy with different combinations because of the compendium, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Like on, on the surface, you would say, like, 
oh, okay, cool. Like that gut Lord in the gifts list. Okay, sure. He's super powerful while some of the other ones aren't. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, oh, he's got a brew git and a thing that's going to make him move more. And all of a sudden, like, he's like Superman out there, right? And it's hard to tell exactly like what some of those combos will lead to because we've got a lot of uh, mid-maxers in this uh, in yeah, this yeah. community <laughs> space that really are going through and being like, this is the most amazing combo ever. And you just don't realize it until you see it on the table, right? So yeah. I can certainly sympathize there. Um, I guess one of the things that, that I hear a lot too, and it's, it's, uh, I had a talk with somebody that's local here and we, we got to it. And one of the things is that narrative isn't, doesn't mean just play bad, right? Like if you bring Rottmeyer Creed, but I really like ogres, right? Right. Jason really likes his ogres and you go play into his ogres and he, he, and he crushes you. Um, that's what ogres do, right? Like it's, it's not his fault that he likes it and he shouldn't feel bad for it. So narrative doesn't mean play bad. It means have a story for why you're playing what you're playing. Um, this, this became a really big deal in the beginning with, uh, AOS three where all the dragons were, right? I like dragons. If you were somebody else who likes dragons and you bought a whole thing of dragons and you took the time to build and paint and get them all ready to play, and then go sit down and play somebody with them, you deserve every right to play that super cool dragon list because you bought it with your work and your money. Um, so go have some fun. Make a list about the extremist sect, you know? Um, they, they come out and they're going to go wipe out your stuff because they're dragons, right? It, dungeons and dragons, right? Like, you, you go kill <laughs> dragons. <laughs> like, you know? uh, and anybody who doesn't think that the, the dra- red dragon from the new Dungeons and Dragons movie is adorable, and didn't spark your interest in at least trying to get one dragon spark, somewhere. Spark your interest. <laughs> I hear you. I see you. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so cool. So like, um, I like Jade Obelisk. I think their story is super mm-hmm. great. I have no illusions that when I put them on the table, I'm up for an uphill battle every time. But they're just so cool. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've agreed and understood to myself and was honest with myself. Hey, I'm probably going to lose a lot of these games, but I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it because look at how cool these models are and look at how much fun I've had just building and painting them. Um, so, and that's fun. Like that's where my fun is. Um, if your fun is ogres, if your fun is Zangor enlightened on disc, like find a way, like you'll find a way to make them work. They might not win every game, but you'll have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean, you know, you can play as soft or as hard as you want. Just understand that there's like consequences in the game for that. Right. Like uh, if I'm going to chase down that unit of eight bound that has Mortifactor helmets on it, I do understand that I'm probably missing better priority targets because they have helmets on them. Um, Like (laughs) it's not going to win me any games probably, (laughs) but it is going to make me feel a lot better. (laughs) I've got a, I've got a couple of, of, of things to kind of associate with this question too. So we play uh, League, um, which is um, where we play the narrative version of this, which uh, often allows you to uh, pile on heroic traits and special mm. weapons. And so you end up with with tyrants that can, you know, an ogre tyrant that can do, you know, plus two or plus three damage to you know then what their typical damage profile is they can get a, a object that lets them uh or heroic traits that lets them move, do an extra move or an extra attack per game or uh that lets them um bounce basically every time they kill something they can either make another move or another attack so you get really like super powered 
um, uh, heroes in the narrative version of this that put any, uh, uh, you know, straight optimized match playlist to shame. Like, so in narrative, we're often playing with bigger, badder things than you would find in a match play game, which sort of, I think, gives you some thick skin. Uh, then a second kind of anecdote, when you're new to this game, uh, it's hard to know where all the levers are to pull back, mm. to soften the blow. And so, uh, and I think that people who are coming from from competitive and want to try narrative, which we want to be in like an open space for that, they don't necessarily know what those where those breaks are or where the like to to go down a gear, and so they know how to play near the competitive, and so they're playing to win. And so then one of the things we do for that is that we create um, we create not disincentives, but we create less strong incentives for winning to be the most important thing. And so we often have uh, multiple. Uh, kind of uh, awards that we give and we give them in names, right? Um, you know, someone is, uh, you know, uh, for for having the most glory or for slaying the most model, which means that after the game, not only did you take them off the table, but then they rolled bad on the injury and and was slain, which the, the, attack, the person who slayed them has no control over that dice roll, right? Uh, and so, like, there's a, a number of different things that we try and do to soften the incentive to play hard or to go hard, but even then... It's hard. It's not always known unless you are a seasoned player mm. how to t how to put on the brakes, and that's mm. so. I run a lot of demos, and so I've figured out a few things that say, okay, I have to be the opposite of trying to win. I have to try and let them, like bingo card, play all of their things or try all of their special abilities in order for them to kind of get that experience, enjoy the game, and not me not be trying to win, um, and that sort of thing. Um, and so I think. As we get, as we get, as we grow this community, we've got two years at Adepticon. You know, we think we'll probably have another forty or maybe fifty players for this next uh, mm -hmm. next year. That, and, but a lot of those people will come back and they'll be more seasoned and they'll hear this, you know, episode and they'll hear us talking on our podcast. And so that's again coming back to like, how do we use our platform and our spaces and our events to help people navigate? narrative play in a way that mitigates you know some of those clashes of of big fighty optimized list versus you know narrative fun fluffy list um and in the end we hope that the two people across the table were nice enough to each other that it was cool <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i think i think it's interesting because you know i mean i went in with my rotmeyer creed knowing like it was you know, I mean, like, I think actually as a bespoke warband, they're actually very good. Very good. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but it's just hard when you're going up against, you know, other ones that have allies and things like that. Right. Which, I, again, I didn't have a problem with. It's just it's something that I noted. Right. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting, and, and, and I'm glad you, you talked about this. When I'm running the GT, I'm telling all my players, bring your filthiest list. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like you're you're get, you're setting the standard of like, Bring your filthiest list because if you don't, you're probably not going to win. But the goal is to win, right? Because it is a competitive grand tournament. And like the expectation is super easy. It gets really fluffy when it's like, well, it's narrative and yes, there are ways to win. And yes, there's ways to, ways to win other ways, <laughs> you know? And, right. and, um, and so I, I like the idea of saying like, okay, how do we create the incentives to bring fun narrative lists versus 
you know, the one that's like, okay, I'm bringing my beefiest thing because I just want to win. Right. Um, yep. And I think that if you've got that expectation from the beginning of like, Hey, this is narrative and here's what our goals are of like having a great ner- narrative event um, versus, I mean, I'm telling them my, you know, my goals with the Nova open is to determine one winner, <laughs> you know, that, that is the top and with the filthiest list and congratulations. Yeah. Like, you're the guy when you and, do it. You and everyone I mean? else so. is just a skull on top of which he's building <laughs> his right. throne. Corn is happy. You know, corn <laughs> is very happy. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I, I love it. I love the idea of you guys, you know, setting that expectations and and rewarding activities other than winning because it's just not, you know, it's not always about that. Right. Vin, narrative, of course. Vince said something that I've been thinking about the last couple minutes, right? It comes down to the what the player has in their head for the type of experience that they want to have when they come to the table because you know if you have and that's where the community that's where the community grows right we grow we we mature as a community when it comes to competitive and narrative space because even if you go to a narrative game and somebody brings a a highly basher list um and someone doesn't bring one that's so much so if the other guy plays really hard and competitive in his mind he's playing the way he wants to play the other guy is if, if even if he's getting smashed up he can still tell tell a story and see the story and being smashed up. So it's really, it's really about what you bring to the table when you want to play a narrative game or what you bring to the table when you want to play a competitive game, which gets to another thing that Eric said, which is hopefully at the end of it, you're all shaking hands and laughing and realizing that war cry is a game about having fun. Uh, and if you got a bad game, you just, you know, reset the table and play for another 45 minutes and have a good one. Right. <laughs> yep. Oh, I'll now, take a if I can ahead, take a minute just to also kind of just put it out there. I mean, one of the things that we want to be when we create events is a space for anybody who plays who wants to play this game to come. What you know, regardless of uh, your experience, and I'll say the different tiers, like specifically the Depticon game, um, where we've got you know dozens of people. We want it to be as opening and, and welcoming of an experience for anybody regardless of your experience, regardless of your race, ethnicity, your, um, you know, gender expression, whatever it is, like all of those things need to be as uh, welcoming as possible. That means even if you're competitive, you're welcome at our narrative event. I don't want there to be a divide of like, hey, competitive or narrative is better than competitive or, Mm -hmm. you know, competitive players don't know how to narrative because I think everybody narratives a little bit. And it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out how you want to play. And if we can introduce narrative to more people, that's what we want to do. So just mm. just to put it out there that we try and create our events to be the as opening and welcome as, as possible. And kind of you opt into the kind of game and play that, that we that we put out there. Um, and, you know, like Josh talked about, we had our, our kind of broad every all comers narrative. And then in the evening, we had a much more funky you know, weird setup uh, type of game where everybody kind of buy into these scenarios are weird. Some of them aren't as tested as, as we'd like, um, but you know, it's free. So let's have fun together. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, um, and I, I definitely got that feeling from your event that it was welcome to everybody. And, you know, I mean, I played against um, a guy who was, it was like his like second game ever it was his first tournament ever right and mm-hmm. it was like okay great i r- understand where we're at right now and i'm going to be super helpful 
Nice. You know what I mean? Because right. like okay. I, I knew that he was like going to make a lot of mistakes and, you know, just was like, okay, hey, you probably don't want to move him here. You probably want to, you know, like watch out for that. Right. Yeah, like yeah. You know, yep. if you do yeah. that, this might happen, you know, just so <laughs> that I wasn't playing any kind of gotcha warhammer with him. Right. Sure. And then my next game was against someone who was like, I will destroy you. And I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> let's play. You know, okay. and, right. and, you know and it was and, okay. Like it was fine. Right. Cause we're having a good time. Um, and, and Justin, and I appreciate I, that you stayed at, at both of those tables and you didn't. <laughs> right. Exactly. Split. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly you know no one was calling me to come play at a different table so no, you no, know no. <laughs> yeah. so um the uh the the thing i was gonna say is one, one great thing about Warcry, unlike um like a 40k or an age of sigmar tournament it takes you nowadays it takes you three days to play an age of sigmar grand tournament Mm. right um they'll have two days of regular stuff and then if you make the final cut you got to play on sunday as well it's the same way with 40k um you don't have the opportunity in these bigger games to play competitive and narrative you mm. have to choose one or the other with Warcry, the great thing about it is i'm running the Warcry gt on thursday on friday saturday sunday there is open war uh narrative that you can be playing there and so you can do both in, in some of these small skirmish games. Like Kill Team, you can do both. Warcry, you can do both. Shatterpoint, Lord of the Rings. you can do both. Yeah. What's Lord that? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. yeah. They did that yeah. at Adepticon. Those Lord of the Rings guys like, here's our whole tournament. Tomorrow we're going to be doing the Battle for Helm's Deep. Let's go. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. Super neat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think I think some of these games that are coming out, like you can have your cake and eat it too, right? Like you can go do the really competitive one and scratch that itch, and then you can go do the fun. I'm bringing a funky list because I know that I played my guts out with uh, my really super overpowered ogres the other day, right? And so um, that's the great thing I think about Warcry and some of these other games that um, you know maybe their tournaments don't last three days, so you can do a little bit of both. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can we leave Jason's ogres alone? No. <laughs> I didn't no, mean can't. to start funny, but it is been, no. nuts. Ogres are awesome. Ogres are super <laughs> cool. They have poles with the new little like they got people up in their crow's nest. Like it's super neat. I love ogres. They're fantastic. <laughs> Vin, we have created a narrative tonight that Jason's ogres are overpowered. Right. right. Yeah. Well, Justin has been traumatized. We've been using um, you know, we've been using Warcry as a backdrop because the dogs a war Warcry, but um, but I think everything we've talked about tonight kind of applies to many different game systems uh yeah. there. But uh what um all right, so question for you guys outside of Warcry, outside of 40k, mm -hmm. let's even throw Lord of the Rings out since you just mentioned that, and not role playing games. What other games have you played and thrown a narrative spin on top of? Um, so I'll, since I mentioned it earlier, Fallout Wasteland Warfare mm -hmm. is something I kind of picked up. At the, they have an Elder Scrolls game, too, which is based on Skyrim. And um, one of the, the interesting things, of course, if you've played the games, they've got the characters from the games. It's, it's kind of fun and you identify with them. But the system itself is set up very narratively. You can play, they, you know, they played it competitively at Adepticon. But the, the quests are very, um, they're kind of mixed where sometimes you have to do skill checks to hack a computer or sometimes you're searching for the box. And so you're looking for, you want a variety of models in your group in case you get a mission where like, oh, I've got to go hack this computer to, to control the satellite and turn that off. Or I've got to, my models have to 
run over here, distract him, but you know, I've got to go over here and search these objectives and run away with something. You know, so they're all very narrative and set up, which is kind of fun because it's already built in depending on which missions you get. And um, so I haven't tried it, but they have this, uh, you know, much like Warcry, where you now have encampments in, in the fallout. They have, you know, you have your homes and you know, you're, you've been building this settlement and they have these settlement quests. You can go out and you can, you can have a narrative campaign where cool. you're doing missions. You come back with money and resources. You build something in your settlement. Now you can take these certain weapons. Yeah. And, um, and just not this week, but two weeks ago, some of our local players set up a vault, you know, a, a, an MDF vault. And we played a multiplayer scenario where there's, you know, wow. we each had one character and we found ourselves in the vault. And we had to find out why we were there and escape. And, and you know, the synth regulators were there to make sure we adhered to the rules and didn't cheat and only one of us could leave. So it was a really fun, you know, wacky off the ball game, but, That's but cool. the rules adjusted really easily to it. Yeah. So, and that was a homebrew scenario. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. I've, so I, <laughs> I run a league and a podcast on the dog uh, on Warcry. I don't have time for other games, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, I guess one of the things I like to do is, I mean, um, and kind of to our point earlier on, on, like one little hook can can mean everything. So I created um, a prototype for a, um, um, oh, what do we call it? The the Talaxis the the Ayachotec uh, ship, the crashed ship and, and created a custom uh, board that was sort of like this labyrinth. And I had, had based it off of a scenario I, I ran a couple years ago where every it's made up of, of tiles and every tile, if you bump a wall has a chance of like rotating and completely changing how the board uh, goes. And so um, it sort of becomes this labyrinth of shifting walls and stuff and just coming with a couple mechanics. It's like super simple mechanics, you know, physical spaces and terrain that, that make that sells it. And then it, you could play any game system you wanted in there and just have this rule where if you come in contact or so close with the wall, you roll and see if it shifts and does it shift left or right. And it changes the, I guess the mood of the game, right? It changes the, so adds some randomness, et cetera, in there. Um, and so in that regard, like I think that system agnostic, you can run some of these scenarios or you can come up with some homebrew stuff uh, or a board to play on that really just changes how you feel about the game, right? Or changes how the, how the game, like how narrative it feels. Yeah. Yeah, we've run a few different events throughout the leagues too, which are, intended to you know they're multiplayer they're unique but you know you're throwing people in there and you're getting all sorts of variation one we had a, a double decker board where you had to go down below and mm. find some skulls oh, and then cool. get out but you know what somebody would try and kill you to take the skulls so they didn't have to go look for it and so you know we just kind of lazy ways to bring people together mm. and and you know because you okay some people will form grudges and they're just they go right at each other where other people are going right for the objective and they're trying to get down there and the other people are trying to wait for them to get the objective and then taking advantage of that you know so you get a, a really unique interplay of of different tactics and stuff like that for those kinds of games very cool awesome yeah i think i think there's some games that really naturally lend themselves to narrative play i don't mm -hmm. know if you guys have ever played frostgrave i've uh, heard of it yep yeah, I watched some videos on it. I mean, it's an amazing game. It's super simple, but like that just screams for narrative, right? Like it, mm -hmm. it just screams mm -hmm. for it. And and part of it is because I don't think that it is set up very well to be competitive. 
um, in a sense, right? Like it just, it can be so kind of wonky sometimes that it'd be hard to be competitive, but, um, yeah. but the narrative play of it, like, I think it just like shines, um, really well. And we just picked up, uh, Vince Venturella's, um, Majestic 13 game that he, he published. Nice. Um, we had him on the show just a couple episodes ago talking about that. And that is another one that I think screams like, play me narratively, you know, hmm. like totally. <laughs> instead of like a competitive flavor. Right. Um, I think games workshop just inherently with its points and its rules and it's things like that. Like people mm-hmm. naturally gravitate towards the competitive play of it. But, you know, I think that the, um, uh, the campaign rules or like the spec op rules that kill team has, or right. the, you know, the, the um, crusade and... rules of 40 K or, or something yep. like that. Like, you can you can definitely like push those competitive games into the narrative space, and those are tools I think that help give um, help allow you to give flavor, uh, narrative flavor to your games, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and kind of continues it instead of just playing you know a three hour game and be like, okay, well shake your hands, we'll see you next week. It's like okay, well what happened in between and and stuff like yeah. that, right? It's that connective tissue, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to ask you guys, and this is probably the last question of the night. Um, if I were a brand new guy that I'm just like, oh man, like I, I want to play, you know, Legion or or whatever game, and but I, I want to set up a narrative league for my friends. Like, what is the what is the most pertinent advice that you would give that new player that's really trying to like do it to him? Like, what's what's the like the, what's the one thing that they should take away from this podcast and and be able to set it up? Well, I'll just quickly say the last episode of season five of the Dogs of War Cry is an episode on setting up a league or building a gaming group around <laughs> a game nice. system. So uh, listen to season five. Got it. Season, yep, season five, episode eight. Uh, that's the one move you need to do. Um, I mean, at the and and I'll I'll say that for well, we can maybe each give an answer, and that's our our. So for me. I think our, and it was our kind of number one step is you need at least one other person who is moderately interested in this game. Maybe not as much as you are, because sometimes you have to be the the motivator, the engine, the the heart of it. Um, uh, you know, uh, but you, you need to start with, um, you know, at least two people that are going to have a good time and kind of play the game almost no matter what as you wait for other people to catch on or as you kind of encourage other people to catch on because it's it's easier to pull um more people into sort of like you get more gravity the more gravity you have it's easier to pull people into a gaming group and start a league and do that sort of stuff so that's that's maybe my first piece of advice find, find your people find a people yeah <laughs> awesome. Go for it, um one of the other things is play regularly and play out uh, this is your hobby. You enjoy it. Uh, nobody gets to tell you, no, you can't enjoy this. It's Warcry. You're out 60 bucks and 45 minutes a week. Like, find some time, go play somewhere, and tell all your friends about it, right? Um, like everything, it's a conversation. So have that conversation, right? Hey, Jason, I know you're really into 40K. You got time to try Warcry? I have all this stuff. We'll play right before our, 45, our 40K game. It's going to be awesome. All it's going to do is extend 45 minutes before your... Uh, 
your tank list is going to come bust me up and I'm going to be a bunch of dead world eaters all over the place uh, because your mortar factors are just so cool. I don't know what to do. Um, so we'll get this five minute game out of the way and then we'll go do this other thing uh, and, and make the conversation. Right. Uh, um, Jason, that's, I know you play ogres and they're so cool. And so, oh my God, I broke the rules. <laughs> Josh to you. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Um, I mean, really, I think have fun. Uh, I mean, I think use your imagination. You come up your world building and, you know, people will see you having a good time. They'll hear you laughing. They'll, they'll, you know, when they come up and ask you about it, you'll have these stories that you can share. And that's, you know, that really like it piques their interest. They're like, oh, I want to be part of that. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that enthusiasm is contagious and you kind of create that space and people want to be part of it. I, I've got a second one. If Vint, you want to do your second one to justify my second one. No, no, I'm good. I <laughs> we have two time in mine. for two each. We have time for two each. <laughs> so my my next one would be my next one would be learn to run demo games, uh, and and you know sort of you know fall on the sword with them and you know make sure that like focus on helping other people have a fun first experience so they fall in love mm-hmm. with the gameplay, the mechanics, the models they brought, or something like focus on that as opposed to you know schooling schooling noobs yeah anybody Josh, else got do a your second, second thing <laughs> like pressure here i wasn't ready <laughs> he shut down hey, go van i'm gonna think of something else. um i mean the the other thing right we talked about playing regularly and then having a conversation right have that conversation with the people you know and care about because they're your friends you already have conversations with them about the things they know and care about maybe today we play frostgrave maybe tomorrow we play warcry as long as we're playing let's talk to other people we'll build more friends we'll get more friends in to do it you know go different places maybe not the same place every week Uh, i play at a coffee shop sometimes right after hours i'll get the staff together and i'll be like cool we're all gonna play this this weekend um, we're all going to play, you know, maybe next week is Trivial Pursuit. Um, we'll do the science edition just for you, Mr. Uh, you know, a science major. I'm really good at college stuff. Uh, <laughs> but but yes, like it's a conversation. So give and take. Right. Listen and, and respond. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess, you know, it, well, in, in terms of like tabletop gaming, having painted models and terrain is, you know, it, it attracts the eye, but yeah. it, it, it's nice to have. I don't think it's necessary, but, um, but, but in line with that, in terms of like, you know, f- you should feel comfortable taking baby steps, right? You know, so you can start with a small, okay, we're going to play this one game. We're going to add this one thing on top of us. If we play the next game, we'll add the next set of rules or even like, you know, my family and I, we'd like to play Zombicide. And, um, you know, the, the fantasy version. And, but, but it was like, okay, well, we want to make this a little bit more narrative. So we get to keep one item from each campaign as we go to the next one. So you just you can add like a little layer to it that's not within the rules, but it makes it more interesting. And like, okay, my character is evolving as we continue to move through the city and fight these zombies. And, you know, so you can do just like little tweaks and things that don't necessarily have to adhere to the perfect system. That you know draws that interest and keeps people engaged. So break some rules. Yeah, feel free to break. Mix some them rules. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Good> reason. <laughs> it's all made up in the end, <laughs> right? <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think I think if if um, you are playing regularly, you know, you've got your your people that you found. You're taking advantage of those campaign rules that are in some of these rule sets. Um, coming up with a backstory and what's happening is is can kind of come naturally, right? Um, 
I, I like to say that when you um, answer a lot of the questions, so I'm a communications, um, like a employee communications. Uh, that's, that's what I do for my work. Nice. And a lot of times I, I have to write, you know, blog posts or emails or something like that. And if I can answer kind of the who, what, where, when, why questions, the, the piece ends up writing itself. Right. Like I actually don't have to I don't have to do a lot of the work of writing because I, I, I kind of already know the answer to the questions. So I think if you have your people, you know, you've got your rule set, you've got some of the campaign rules right there. You're already answering half the questions there. You just may need to answer like, OK, well, why are these people here? Like, what are they doing? You know, and once you start mm-hmm. to answer those questions, the campaign will sort of, you know, the narrative will sort of generate itself. And then you can just continue to build on it as you play, um, which I think is is pretty amazing. Yeah. So, but uh, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, uh, the fellows from the Dogs of War Cry podcast. We will definitely put your links down in the description below. Season five, episode eight is eight, yeah. right? You said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen to that one because obviously that's the one that we all need to listen to. Um, the last uh, five minutes of this one really it's up right, to you exactly so, <laughs> so um but thank you gentlemen so much for coming on uh i'm so glad that we connected at adepticon and that we were able to to have you on here with us so mm-hmm. we appreciate your insight and we appreciate your uh humor and and good looks of course well and and your first impression uh when we when we met at adepticon you said hey i couldn't get into this one but i'm on the waiting list you you say the word uh, my buddy Jason will call me, and I will quit what I'm doing, and I will run over here. <laughs> I, I don't. You make. Uh, I mean, I have to imagine you make every uh, event organizer feel that special, right? Right. right. And, and I'm a man of my word. <laughs> yeah. I quit right. that event Moving. literally. Yeah. Like they had, they had the whole thing set up, and they're like, "Okay, it's your turn." And Jason calls me, and I'm like, "Ah!" And I, and I came. <laughs> Yeah, when you when you wait list for a vent, you mean it. Right. I mean, right. That's right. I mean, gosh darn it. I mean, so, but thank you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on here. Uh, to all our listeners, uh, this is the Dogs of War Cry podcast uh, that has joined us. Please go check out their stuff. They've got a new season that they're going to be starting here in just a little bit. And if you're not familiar with them, you got five seasons to catch up on. So put them <laughs> in your podcast list and, and start listening. And check out their website. They've always got great stuff and, and great ideas and things that they're running. So, um, And, of course, look for them next Adepticon because they'll be running uh, the Warcry events there. And they did a phenomenal job last time. I can't wait to do it again. So thank Thank you guys so much. Uh, Thank you, our listeners. And uh, we'll see you all at the tables. Have a good night. Thanks. Good night. Thanks.